Hey, hey, you're listening to episode 59 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Do me a favor. Take a deep breath right now. Just inhale slowly and exhale slowly. What do you notice? One of the things that you might notice is that you're becoming aware of your breath, and your breath has actually been pretty shallow. That's a clear indication that you're still living in your sympathetic nervous system or your stress response. Recently, I made a TikTok that talked about how teachers in the summer, they still experience the wrath of stress during break, and that resonated with so many of you. And some of the most common comments in that post were about the anxiety that's still overtaking you in the summer. We talked back in episode 56 about these stress responses showing up in our summer and the three ways to stress less, but more than likely, you need tangible tools. You're probably like, But how can I reduce these feelings of overwhelm and how can I release the stress before it accumulates more in the classroom this fall? That's why on July 21st through the 23rd, I am hosting the third annual free summer self-care conference for teachers. It's a free online conference. It's going to give you the encouragement, the motivation, the tools that you are looking for to really reduce that stress, prevent burnout, and make teaching sustainable again. This conference will be three days jam-packed with actionable professional development from over 20 teacher experts and advocates. And the goal is really just to give you that support, some systems, so that you can work smarter and not harder and live your best life inside and outside of the classroom. For the weeks leading up to the conference, you're going to have the chance to meet some of these amazing presenters in double episodes per week every Tuesday and Friday in July as I interview them, and we're going to chat more about their journeys through burnout, the tools that you can use to reduce stress this summer in that burnout cycle this school year, as well as learn more about the information that you'll only get in their sessions at the Summer Self-Care Conference. So if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, head over, follow along, make sure that you do that so that you can get notifications every week as new episodes go live, and make sure you grab your free ticket at teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash summer self-care conference, or head over to the link in the show notes to grab it there. In this episode, we are chatting with one of my favorite people, Dr. Katie Raher, specifically more about breath work, the science behind how that works, and how you can start using it as a tool to transform your burnout recovery this summer. Dr. Katie Raher is the founder and CEO of Constant Love and Learning. She's an award-winning teacher turned school psychologist, a certified trauma-informed breathwork facilitator, and a Komochi certified trainer. She creates wholehearted experiences of healing, connection, and learning that help educators transform their inner and outer worlds, one breath, one feeling, one moment, and one relationship at a time. So what do you say? Let's go meet Dr. Katie. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. 
Hey, Katie, welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast. I'm so stoked to be chatting in real time again with you. You're one of my favorite teacher wellness advocates, so I'm really excited for you to be on the podcast. I am excited to be here right back at you. You are one of my favorites, and so it is a delight to be here with you. Yes. So I gave this awesome introduction to you before, but I would love for you just to share a little bit about yourself, how you started teaching, and how you began supporting other educators. Yeah. So I was always inspired by the education system growing up because my mom grew up in extreme poverty and lots of trauma history. And um, with her, a big piece of how she broke that cycle was because of relationships with positive folks she had you in terms of her experience in the education system. So in her educational path. And so I was always really curious about education, but never necessarily thought I was going to become a teacher. And final year of my bachelor's degree, and I needed one last requirement kind of a deal. And there was only one class that met that requirement. And it was a class all about education and inequities in education. And I got all fired up and I felt like my soul found its calling. So there we shifted gears and definitely went into the education system. And so I taught in the classroom elementary school for a few years and definitely burned out and ended up with lots of health challenges. At the time, I never really thought it was because of the fact that I was working like 80 hour weeks or anything like that. I just thought that was just normal protocol. I just thought, you know what, I want to go back and learn a little bit more about how to support kids in the classroom. I was particularly most passionate about the kids who had the biggest challenges. They were the ones that lit me up the most. And I also, in in one of my years, I had this amazing instructional coach who I was like, oh my gosh, I love her job. (laughs) I want to do what she does. I want to help teachers so that they feel more supportive. So I was like, let me go learn more about how to help kids and then I'll help teachers with that. So then I became a school psychologist. And in my work as a school psychologist, I had the privilege of going to a graduate program where the major focus was on prevention and on being in the general education setting as much as possible to support that prevention. Um, Definitely, you know, our role is supporting uh, across all levels in a school setting, but really using a consultation model where we support teachers. And so that was my favorite part of all the things I learned in graduate school. And so much of my career as a school psychologist was doing that work. So I would do this mental health consultation model with teachers. So they would bring me their concerns about kids or whatever other dynamics in their classrooms that they wanted to consult about. And I really functioned through a collaborative problem solving problem solving method. And so it's never like me being the expert to come in and be like, okay, teacher, this is what you got to do to fix the situation. It was more, right. Let's explore this problem together. Let's explore what, you know, could be a co-creation of possible intervention ideas and things like that. And so ultimately so much of the plan, it would, it would come from the teacher. I would, I would throw out things to reflect on, but ultimately the teacher was the one who created that. And despite that, even though the teacher would be very much on board with the plan and it was very driven by their strengths, their preferences, all these things, still oftentimes it wouldn't be implemented in real time. So all along in my career, I was very curious about like, what is the missing piece? So then, you know, fast forward to me on my journey where I burn out again, 
and have lots of health problems again, because on top of like the sort of workaholic nature of my past and, and all sort of all along and perfectionistic nature, I, you know, in, in this time frame, had added motherhood to the mix mm-hmm. and lots of sleep deprivation and not just sleep deprivation from my kids who generally have never been great sleepers, but also from my beliefs that like to be a good teacher and a, a good psych and a good mom, I have to get all the things done and do them all perfectly. So I would stay up, you know, I would sometimes even go to sleep, but then I'd even wake up in the middle of the night to get more work done. I mean, I was doing all yeah. sorts of wacky things. So my health started to derail, my mental health started to derail. And I I really, honestly, I didn't even recognize myself anymore. A person who historically had just a lot of patience for kids, like that went away. I had a lot of apathy Mm -hmm. at work. All the things that lit me up were just, you know, my soul was definitely not feeling it. So, so anyhow, when I had a pretty big, significant crash and burn with my health, physical and mental health in about 2016, I had to find my way back to well-being. And on my journey, I started to get curious about the fact that, oh, wow, this is the missing piece of where that, you know, that disconnect was. So I started to ask the teachers I was supporting more about their health, their mental health, what was going on, like their humanity also. And it was like, so many exhales from my teachers I supported so much of like, yes, this is what's going on. Okay. Well then let's figure out how to support you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I wasn't necessarily, I'm not their therapist, you know, but sometimes I would redirect them to resources, but I would support them in their mental health, you know, so that they could show up as the best of themselves. And then all of a sudden the plan started to work more effectively when they were implementing with kids, because instead of just killing themselves in the process, they had somebody caring for them. So that was, so that's kind of how I ended up, you know, in direct service in schools. And then I just really continued to get fired up about that in terms of my work. So now I I run a business where I, like you, focus on educator well-being because I believe that, and really like the whole educator, just like you do, all of those layers of the humans that are in classrooms and in schools, that's, that's, really where we're most impactful on kids. Um, and I, and I also really believe in when we unpack our own patterns, that's like how we, that's how we unpack the patterns that are problematic in the school system and make sure we don't pass those on to kids. So they don't end up in their mid thirties, like I did, where I was in an epic crash and burn with my health. So Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a little bit of my journey and how I got here. And yeah. Here I am on your podcast, excited to share more. (laughs) I know. And I absolutely love your story because you talk about how you got to the point where you were helping these teachers and what you saw from your perspective. And we are on the same mission to support these educators, but also because this is a huge piece of how we can kind of heal the system from the inside out, you know, like how we can start really effectively reaching children and helping them to break these patterns, to notice these patterns that they have. And so that the cycle doesn't really continue for this next generation. And I absolutely just, I love it. I love it. So with all this transformation that you went through, what was the most impactful and actionable thing that you did to really transform as the whole educator? I know that your big thing is whole educator and I love that. So I'd love for you to talk about that more. Yeah, I I really did take baby steps on my journey. So 
sometimes people will tell me, oh, you you have all these things worked out. Well, it's it's been a journey and I'm still mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's same, never done. So, so as I speak here, it doesn't mean it was like an overnight process. It was baby steps. But I think the most impactful thing, you know, I would say is that I did a lot of work on my internal narrative and my soul and doing that in community with support and allowing myself to receive support because much of my career in adult life, and I would even say youth was, okay, I can do it all myself and Mm -hmm. push through and and make that happen. That's still something I'm working on. Like in business, it's like, okay, it's okay to receive help. And so, but with my own journey and my own return to physical and mental health, very much, you know, on my journey, I definitely started with baby steps, breathing, taking a few deep breaths in bed, drinking a glass of water in the morning, these kinds of things. But those were not things I necessarily even came up with on my own. Like I knew I needed help. I knew I needed to shift. But I was going, how am I going to switch my life? Because the whole reason I got into this problem is I don't feel like I have enough time. I don't feel like I have enough resources, enough money. Those are the kinds of things I told myself that I believed. Mm -hmm. And I had people, though, that I finally started to let in to help me who said, well, can you just take a few deep breaths in the morning in bed before you get up? Okay, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's like less than a minute. I can manage that. Can you drink a glass of water so you don't end up by the end of the day totally dehydrated? Okay, yeah, I can do that. And with that surrounding support, then with my little micro steps with people kind of supporting me, I shifted my identity. I became someone who believed that I was worthy of nurturing my mind, body, spirit. And so I continued with the little things that that helped my body. And I will say, you know, working on my body was a big piece because I definitely needed to balance my blood sugar. So I wasn't crashing and dizzy and all the things that were happening and, and whatnot. Won't go into all those details, but then the real magic really was as I continued to unpack the patterns, the beliefs, the, just the, the way I moved through the world. I mean, I really genuinely believed that self-sacrifice was the ultimate goal in life. Yeah. That's what I thought a good educator did. That's what I thought a good mother did. That's what I thought a good woman did, all the things. And when I was in community, not just in terms of surrounding myself with sort of individual supports, and I, and I think you call it something similar. I call it my IWP team, my individualized well-being plan team. Um, but as part of that, one of the things that really helped me unpack a lot of my patterns was I joined this beautiful women's circle group. And it's it's actually really the model of how I lead my educator well-being membership circles. And it was so powerful to hear other educators tell the same stories. Other women tell the same stories of, yes, this is how I think about things. This is how I move through the world. It's like, oh, I'm not alone. And it's so, and I, that's why I love that your, your podcast and all the work you do, because when we realize, oh, I'm not the only one who had this belief conditioned in me. Yeah. And oh, other people actually are shifting away from that and unpacking that. That That's, I think, a really big piece of the puzzle for me. So those are those are the big ones. And, and, and the patterns I needed to unpack largely were this thought that self-sacrifice was the end goal at all times. And also, mm-hmm. I'm definitely a perfectionist in recovery. So I, I needed to 
work through that and I'm still working through that. It's a, it's a day-to-day journey. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think ultimately all of that has allowed me to come back to the wisdom that's in here, inside, in my body, in my intuition, because we're told as educators that there's these other beliefs and, and re, you know, this external, that's where the, you need to believe that you need, you know, and that's not when we all do do this sort of this inside out work, like you described it as, that's how we actually heal systems. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about your individualized well-being plan. Plan. Team. Yes. Yeah, IWP like team. Yeah. Individualized Educare program. This is yeah. what I love. Like, I love to talk with other educators who are on the same mission, but especially because we are so aligned in our really? belief system and our stories and the stories that we used to tell ourselves. So listening to you is also providing me that validation, but I know that it's helping our listeners to feel more validated too, because so often we do think we're alone. We think we're the only people who are experiencing these things that we, you know, they, nobody would understand. And then when you get into these situations where you listen to a podcast or you join a circle, like you talked about, we recognize how similar our stories or how often these same stories are played out and that's where we find that healing is in that community, in that support system. And gosh, I just could talk about all of these things for hours and hours. Amen. As, as I'm sure you could too, but you do this really cool thing. You started doing breath work and I'm a huge proponent for breath work. I have participated in your, you know, one of your breath work times and it was really transformational for me. So I would love for you to just tell us how you got started with breath work, getting certified in this, you know, like for the teachers who are like, you know, what is breath work? You know, can you just talk a little bit about that? Totally. So I'll I'll say how I came to it first. And it's interesting that I ended up being a breath work facilitator because growing up throughout my life, I had a significant asthma and I had actually an aversion to breath. Even when I started my mindfulness practice on my health well-being journey, I wanted to focus on other things. There's there's lots of types of mindfulness, right? And, and the breath focus was hard for me. And I had to kind of work through that and heal that because I knew it was powerful. Yes. And I'd heard about breath work as a, as a thing too, other than what I was doing with focusing on my breath, say in mindfulness meditation or in yoga or things like that. And I had tried so many other things and I have a lot of things in my toolbox. I call it my, my IWP, my individualized well-being plan. I have a lot of things in my toolbox, right? And breathwork was probably one of the last things I was willing to try. I've tried so many other things out there that are possible because of this aversion. But once I got there and I tried it, I was like, whoa, what the heck was that? It was like blew my mind. I was like, okay, there's breathwork I tried and that was breathwork. And so I... I had this gigantic emotional release. I had this unconscious stuff that can that got processed, and and not everyone's you know first time is like that, um, and it depends right. on the facilitation. But I was in a place that that felt safe for me to do, and and I had this amazing experience. And so then I continued with it on my journey, and just kept utilizing this powerful tool to heal my body, mind, spirit, and then I guess it was it was over a year ago at this point. I kept getting these intuitive hits to lead breathwork. 
I was like, okay, okay, interesting. But I get a lot of things that come in. So I have to have to sit with those things and filter. I'm sure, you know, you as a, a fellow multi-passionate person. And so I just kind of sat with them. And then one day I just got like a really strong, okay, this is this is your next move. And I was like, okay, well, let me find out from the person, you know, who who one of the people I do breath work with, and I had tried it with a few people. Let me just find out who they who they work with and who they got trained with. So I literally opened my email and the first email is learn how to be a breathwork facilitator from those people. And I was like, okay, gotcha. I got you. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. All right. And I believe in God. I was like, okay, I hear you loud and clear. So I then looked into that. And so I got trained through pause breathwork and I did investigate still multiple uh, programs out there. There's various breathwork facilitation training programs. And what I loved about the pause breathwork program is that it was trauma informed, which is very aligned with my model of practice in schools. Uh, as a school psychologist, it's something I like to support teachers with. And so I really wanted to uh, to go that route. And it was a very intensive program. And so I, you know, in that process did even more healing of my own. And, and so now I am a trauma-informed certified breathwork facilitator. And so what does that mean? <laughs> so I do like to say, uh, this is what I've come up with, of course, from my educator lens to help folks understand a little bit about like, what is breathwork when I'm referring to breathwork in that term? You know, right now, everybody who's listening, you and I, we're just breathing because our body is naturally, you know, the autonomous nervous system's doing its magic. We don't have to think about it. It just happens. But the cool thing about breath is we can also bring it into our conscious awareness. And so we can do something with it. It's one of these magical things in our bodies that we can, that can go both sides. And so there's the ABCs of breath, of conscious breath. So A is just your awareness. So right now, probably even just because I mentioned it, you may be noticing your breath. And noticing its speed, its depth, its texture. No need to judge it. Just just noticing it, being with it. And then there's the B where I talk about we how we bring an intention. So perhaps somebody is the breath is really fast, and they notice that there's some tension and stress, and they want to bring some calm into their body. Right. So maybe that's the intention, or maybe they're feeling really lethargic and they want to bring in energy. Right. So that's the intention, and. There's a lot of common breath patterns that can support with that. Breath work, the one I'm talking about, can do that as well. But, you know, a lot of people will do things like box breathing or four, seven, eight breathing or any type of deep diaphragmatic breathing, anything where you're, you're actively trying to shift the breath, right? right? You're bringing in intention. The C is the breath work that I'm also talking about. And most people, it's the C that they haven't tried yet. And that really transformed my life. The C is connected, continual conscious breath. So it, it, we may even be doing something that's very similar to diaphragmatic breathing, but it's it's continual. So, you know, for an example, if I were to just do a few breaths of that. And I would keep going. And that was a sort of a semi-rapid pace there. And that's just one of the patterns I use. But it would be, we'd keep going. And so we go for different lengths of time. It can just be a minute. So if you're a teacher and you just want to bring calm, you could do this for a minute, you know. And you could go a little quicker if you want to activate. Like maybe you're feeling so tired and you want to get some energy in your body. Or maybe you're feeling activated and you want to bring some more calm. And you could go slower to bring that. 
but we also go for longer periods of time because that really is where some really powerful somatic work can happen. I have found, and most people I've led, what the, the most common thing I hear back from them is that the transformational C-level breath work I talk about, it helps people turn off the mind and come into the power of the body. And that's so much where the magic is because I know for me myself, and, I, and I'm still working through patterns. I'm on a very lifelong journey to do that. But yeah. when we get in the mind, sometimes you know, the mind you know, self-sabotage. There's like things that can come in and, and rightfully so, right? Our body, our minds, everything as part of us ultimately is just doing the best to protect us. That's, that's, you know, an assumption of mine. But when we turn off the mind through the breath and we come into the body, the body is where so much is held. Mm-hmm. Tension, trauma, that toxic chronic stress that's in there. Because much of our lives, we spend pushing things down, ignoring mm-hmm. them, pushing them away. And so what happens is it leaves, lives in our body. And then what we know is that it manifests through the body. So yes. what happened for me, it manifested through my autoimmune diseases that came to be and my anxiety and panic that came to be, right? It comes through the body. But the beautiful thing is that the body also is this powerful, you know, route to healing. and and so. There's different lengths of breath work that I offer. So there's sort of these little breather sessions, which really are more rooted in relaxation, clarity, those kinds of things, day-to-day breath work. And then there's, you know, when when people are ready for a longer session where I go, we go nine minutes or above with this connected continual breath, we can tap into that unconscious work, you know, and because I'm trauma-informed, we go though at the pace everybody needs. So some breath work out there, if you're, if you're, you hear about it in your corner of the world, know that the intensity of your journey with breathwork does not necessarily equal transformation. What trauma-informed breathwork does is it honors your nervous system in a way that we slowly and steadily build up window of tolerance. Yes, you could get an out, out, you know, outer space experience, but then not actually be able to integrate that. And I want to be mm-hmm. people to be able to integrate it because I'm always thinking prevention in my work and, you know, how can I make the most bang for our buck? So we're not treating everything, but we're also just preventing things. And not only does it help with direct stress relief, but it expands our window of tolerance such that if there's something stressful out there, our nervous system doesn't even get as triggered because we've healed some of this. We've expanded that window. And that's like, I think to me, one of the most powerful things that can happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. And you, and you sort of answered a question that I was having while I was listening to you was how, you know, like the science behind breath work, like how is it helping us manage the stress? And you went right into that. So that's, that's really awesome. Do you have anything that you want to add to how the science kind of works? Um, we could go, I mean, there's like so much about actually it's, it's, it's an interesting complex, but also simple process. But ultimately what I will say is that when we do this continual, you know, connected breath, it shifts the pH in the blood. It shifts sort of the the state between carbon dioxide and oxygen. And then through that, that's what allows you to get into your body more deeply and, mm-hmm. and do that powerful work. And so also just knowing it's a slow and just a reminder that it's slow and steady and giving yourself permission to 
be supported in that journey, I think is also really helpful. I do think that people can do it on their own and, and breathe. That's one of my favorite things about breath too, is it's accessible, like teachers yeah. aren't rolling in the dough or anything. So, <laughs> so, so you can, you know, put on a song, you know, and breathe to it kind of a thing. Um, yeah. But I will also just say one of my other favorite things is just that it really tones the vagus nerve. It mm-hmm. shifts your heart rate variability. These are just as some other fun science things. So people may hear about some of those terms as they kind of explore how to take care of their health and mental health. But breathwork has such a powerful impact on those particular things, which have these other ripple effects. Yes. And so, yeah. So that's just a little bit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I geek out over this, over the science stuff about totally. it because it's just, it's amazing what our body does in order to protect us and keep us safe, but then also what it can do to heal us also. So I, I'm just, I geek out over this stuff and I love that you do the breath work. So for that person who's listening, they're like, okay, this sounds like something I need. Like this sounds like something that I want to start trying out. I know that you offer breath work sessions. Can you kind of walk us through what that looks like when, what they can expect from a breath work mm-hmm. session? session? (laughs) Yeah. So I do have shorter sessions and then longer sessions. So the shorter sessions, I am calling them just take a breather. And those sessions, it's the same process as the longer sessions, but the active breathing portion is shorter. So we Mm -hmm. don't get into the unconscious because maybe if you want to do this on your lunch break, maybe you don't want to go into this big unconscious processing, obviously. So they're shorter. Um, but, but all the sessions, the shorter and the longer ones, the longer ones are, I call my meditative sessions. We, first of all, I review sort of some safety things because I want to make sure people know what to expect. And I want to make sure you're reminded of the fact that you are empowered in this breath process. You ultimately are in the driver's seat in that breath. And I may guide you with my voice, but ultimately you are in your body. And so your experience of it gets to be what you need in that moment. So day to day, session to session, it may look a little differently for you. And I go over sort of what to expect that are sort of just normal things that happen in the body so that people feel safe. Because that's what, like you just said, it's the safety piece that allows the transformation to happen. When the nervous system feels safe and then you unpack this, that's that's really where the healing Mm -hmm. begins. So then we always start with a little bit of just sort of traditional mindfulness. I bring your awareness into your body. It looks a little differently every time. And then we have that active breath portion. It could be a very short session. It could be a little longer. And during that time, I use a variety of breath patterns, which usually is guided by the intention behind the, the, the breath session. So Am I wanting to activate? Am I wanting to be a little more gentle? You know, and ultimately, all my breath work is is gentle, depending on what you need for your nervous system. But it's it's that active breath portion. And again, I so I would be guiding you with my voice. But again, you can ease off. Maybe you're like, oh, that's enough. It. I I did three minutes of active breath, and that feels good. I'm gonna now just return to my natural breath. Or maybe you stick with me for the full seven minutes, or eight, or twenty, or whatever, depending on the session. Yeah. And we have breath holds and depending on where really the intention of the session is. And then we release the breath. We just go back to the natural breath. And usually that time is really where your system has come back to baseline. It's like you're usually people's systems are so 
calm, regulated, centered, grounded. And, and then there's a lot of processing that can happen depending on where you are you know, in terms of it's, it was just sort of a take a breather or a meditative session. And then I, I really bring people back into the space to reconnect. And then usually I open it up for any processing that wants to happen as well. And yeah, it's, it's a, a common thing that if there's time, I also do love to have people share because of that community piece to hear, oh my gosh, that's, was my experience. And sometimes it's, oh my gosh, that was a transformation. And sometimes it's, wow, today I could feel resistance and I didn't have the same level. And that, but that is the beautiful transformation too. That Mm -hmm. awareness, that realization that that's also okay. So I know that for me, one of the things I've had to heal on my own journey is I was like, okay, I'm going to recover from being a perfectionist. I'm not going to do all the things. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to heal like a perfectionist. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to do all the things and do them just right to make sure my health doesn't tank or gets better just right. And then I was like, oh, I'm doing the same thing Mm -hmm. as I did with the other stuff. So it's like (laughs) having to unpack that. I was like, okay, so it's okay if it's not an A plus every night. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of what the sessions are like. There are, I do offer one-on-ones, but I do typically offer more groups because I just, I'm trying to make it really accessible for as many people as possible. So while you were going through your certification, I did a breathwork session with a group and it was actually, it was, it was in the evening time. So I was like, okay, okay. I need to like really release some stress my kids are in the other room. I had to like be on mute. I was like, oh gosh, okay. So I got to do this. And I felt after that session, like there was so many things that came up for me, just things that I was putting away and not making time to focus on in my own life um, that it made me aware of those things. Not only did it help calm my body, but I became aware of some things that I wasn't really dealing with. And it was just really impactful for me. And then I listened to the things that were happening with the other group members. And it was just a really powerful session. So I I highly recommend anybody who has never participated in like a group setting like that. They're done online. Katie's amazing. It's it's really a phenomenal practice. And I love that it's trauma-informed because that's a really huge piece of us as educators, but also, you know, for dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, So for people who are like, "Mm, I'm not sure if I'm like really ready to do a session or anything like that, how can they integrate the breath work into their daily routine just to kind of manage that stress effectively? Yeah. So I get it. First of all, if they're not ready yet, I even once, you know, I really wasn't a believer in mindfulness at first and then certainly not breath work because of my history with asthma. And I had to start with baby steps to feel like, okay, this is safe. This is okay. And I literally, I was the educator. I mean, it's ironic that I'm doing what I do now because I was the educator who literally kind of laughed at people who did this kind of stuff and thought, oh my gosh, a bunch of hogwash, whatever. Yeah. And oh, just push through, tough it out. You know, that was, that was me. And so here I am doing this work now. And so really what I think, first of all, is just to think about those ABCs and you could build up with that. So I do think even just noticing, like, 
Pause right now. Maybe pause the podcast when you're listening to it and just notice your breath for 30 seconds. How is it? No judgment. Just where is it? Most of us aren't necessarily breathing in the most optimal way, uh, which really generally should be in and out through the nose. We should really we're not really supposed to breathe that much per minute, you know, kind of if we were sort of optimal when we're not in sort of a stress state. And so just notice that and just get curious about it. Okay, interesting. Or because it, it's also a window into what stressors there are, because sometimes we're not yes. even aware. So so that's just one piece is just to notice, because once you can connect with the body in that way, then you're more able to, you know, be intentional about, well, what, what do I want to choose? You know, should I take a walk? Should I say I'm directly in the classroom with my kids? Should we all say, Hey, you all notice your breath too. Should we take a couple deep breaths? So yes. it doesn't have to even just be on your own. It can be with your students or with your own kids. Like, Oh, I, I need this. And then bring intention into the breath. So like I was just saying, you know, if you're in the classroom, Oh, I'm noticing my breath is really fast right now. Let's just bring some calm into this. So let's just take a, a big deep breath and through the nose and just really lengthen that exhale to get that parasympathetic nervous system back online a little bit more. So at first, giving yourself permission to do that. So often when I support teachers now, like on a sort of regular basis, when they're sort of on a break from the, you know, break in the middle of the day kind of a thing, or they're on their planning, I'm like, okay, should we start or end with a little bit of mindfulness or breath? And they're like, oh no, we're fine. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to. So like, <laughs> you know, what should we do? Just three breaths then? I'm, you know, I'm anyone who knows me knows I'm not like a gonna force anyone into anything, but I'm like, okay, if you're feeling resistance, let's just take three breaths. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're always like, oh, that felt good. Yes. But we often don't want to give ourselves permission to pause. So that I would say is, is next, you know, bring that intention in and, and you can play and figure out what breath, you know, you, the one I was just doing, the halo active is the most simple of the conscious connected kind of breath that I do. It is just in through the nose, out through the mouth. Very easy. And so mm-hmm. you could just do that. I, what I do is I pop on a song like a song that I enjoy on my Spotify playlist. And I just do a, do the continuous breath for that song, but you put on a timer for a minute and do it on your Mm -hmm. own or forget the timer, just do it until your body feels good. So those are just possibilities, but yeah, work your way up, go through the ABCs and you don't need to push yourself too hard, you know, because that can then create more resistance. Your body's like, wait a minute, this feels a little too, mm." you're trying too hard. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then I think, you know, once you're ready also to receive support, it doesn't have to be me. It can be other breathwork facilitators, but but allow yourself to receive that support. I know for me, that was such a huge piece of my healing. And so in my work, the beautiful thing is who I, who I am intentionally serving is educators, caregivers. So typically when people come to the sessions, even when they're in the group, it's like, oh, I love these people here. It tends to be very heart-centered, soul-led individuals trying to make a difference who are ultimately learning, oh yeah, it is okay to pause and take care of myself. That's actually the least selfish thing I can do for these children that I love and support, either in the classroom, my own home, or both. And so so those are kind of what be, I would say, the, the steps. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I love how you brought it into the classroom too, because I think so often the teachers are very stressed because they're making all these decisions. They're having to, you've got behavior, you've got this. But in that moment, 
what their body needs and probably what the students need too is that breath, is that time to just pause and really get centered again. And I just love that you brought that up because I think that can be a really powerful transformation and a way that not only is the educator working towards their well-being, but also supporting the students as well. So yes for that. Absolutely. Um, Can I just add that it doesn't have to ever look one way. Some people, I I do lots of times close my eyes. I get still, I do the breath, I meditate, whatever it is, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can move through the breath. You could dance through the breath, but just being, it's like being intentional about the breath while you're doing Mm -hmm. those things. And so you get to have fun with it and play with it and, and figure out what works for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that you brought that up too. I just really think that a lot of teachers needed this reminder today that they're not alone in their feelings. You know, they're, they know that they have people like us in their corner, like people who are looking out for them, wanting to support them, knowing the trauma informed piece, you know, um, So do you have any other resources that would help teachers or can you share where teachers can learn more from you and about you, maybe get some breath work with you? Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my website is constantloveandlearning.com and lots of possibilities on there. Breathwork is definitely one I would love to support people with. I have a a vision of supporting lots of educators with breathwork this year. I want to get this, the word out there about this. So thank you for being part of that. And it's super accessible right now. And I'm probably going to be keeping this all year long. I really want to have a social impact model. So it's a pay what you can. So I do have some minimums because I believe that when people oftentimes they get stuff for free, they don't show up Mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh, I got it for free. It's fine. No big deal. And so I do want people to realize that they're worthy of that investment and to have some of, you know, some structured support, like, oh yeah, I'm putting it on my calendar because I paid for it kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And also though, making it really accessible, you know, with an invitation to support a small business, of course, I know, you know, and, but really just making it so it, it doesn't matter what your budget is. I know there's a lot of folks out there trying to just make ends meet. And I don't want that to be a barrier to having access. And then I also do have the wholehearted collective, which is my educator well-being membership, which I do integrate some little bit of breath in there as well and mindfulness work and other embodiment practices. But it is, it is a community where it's kind of like a women's circle, but we also do have men in, in there as well, educators of, of all different types and backgrounds. And we, we do live group coaching once a month and a live like sort of a healing circle where we're unpacking patterns and that kind of thing once a month. And, and then there's a library of lots of other little resources. So that's a possibility too, but that's that one. Like my breath work is ultimately open to anyone. Typically it, it, it ends up being educators and, and moms and, or people who are both the wholehearted collective is, is just educators. And, and then also I do on-site supports for school districts. So sometimes I'm about to go, you know, next week I have a couple healing circles I'm doing for different organizations for their team of teachers. I've got breath work I'll do sometimes for organizations and school districts, and then just workshops and consultation in general, because I like to do that inside out and the outside in kind of work. So I do love when people in sort of administrative roles also pull me in and 
invite in that well-being lens into how they're trying to support. Because we know that if they support their teachers more effectively and care about the well-being of the teachers, that just has massive, beautiful ripple effects on the well-being of the students. So, so kind of variety of different possibilities. And then like yourself, there's, you know, sometimes I'll just send out little emails with just resources and uh, possibilities. And if you are on my email, I will say I'm probably going to be having some sprinkling of some free breath kinds of things come out. I just, it's, we're not there yet because I am getting to move through leading a business, you know, when I'm, and I do still work in schools part-time. And when I'm leading my business and when I'm in schools, I'm having to continually make sure I honor the model of what I advocate for. So, yes. So I am just going a little bit more slowly, like just moving slowly is actually one of my intentions for the word and just trusting the timing of things, trusting how things unfold and would love to support anyone on their journey. And I appreciate you helping me get the word out. Yes, of course. And you are um, constant love and learning on Instagram um, also. So I want to, I'm going to put all the links for all of that stuff in the show notes. That way people can go and they can learn more about you and from you. I personally am a huge, huge fan of yours, Katie. Like, honestly, honestly, I think that more educators could use the support that you give. I've had so many great moments just listening to you talk um, through the summer self-care conference, through, you know, all of those things that we've worked with and for together. I've learned so much from you, even as an advocate. So I just, I want you to know that. And I want the listeners to know that I have learned a lot from you so that they'll go and follow you. And I am so grateful for you because when I started being passionate about this work, I felt like nobody did this. This was just the most novel idea possible. <laughs> and now in part, you know, in part because of you really lifting up other people doing this work through the summer self-care conference, through this podcast, through other work, the word is spreading. Like this is mm-hmm. not unusual. People have heard about the possibilities. And so mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for you lifting other folks up and and helping us just make that collective impact. Yes. Thank you. As you can see, breathwork is such a powerful and, hey, free tool that we can use to support us. You can learn more from Dr. Katie in her session, Trauma-Informed Breathwork as the Gateway to Deep Healing and Honoring Your Wholeness, as well as 20-plus other teacher experts at the third annual Summer Self-Care Conference, which is free. You can grab your free ticket at teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash summer self-care conference or head over to the link in the show notes to grab it there. Don't forget, you are a resilient teacher. We are in this together. You've got this. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tap me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. 
I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.